0: But honestly, I, I just stand up and share. And this is what comes out. And this is normal. This is life. It isn't a sermon to me. I, what I'm, see, when I started, I had a daughter that was very sick, had a tumor. And when she was three, she passed away. And I went to everybody that was teaching me faith tried to get them on the telephone, couldn't get anyone on the telephone, couldn't get a hold of them or talk to them. And I kept trying to find someone. I heard all these stories, but I was trying to find somebody that could actually do what I'd heard them talking about. And I was looking for somebody that could raise my daughter from the dead. And I couldn't find anybody. And so the next day we buried her. And whenever I stood at that grave, I told God, God, there was no man for me when I needed one. But if you will teach me, I will be that man for somebody else. And so the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to know now we've seen nine or so come back from the dead. We have seen thousands of healings. We've seen everything and we've seen every part of the human body healed. We've seen every kind kind of disease. It's amazing. And what I found out is that no disease matters. What they have never matters. Never focus on what they have. Just focus on what you have. Because what you have is greater than what they have. You understand? So I never focus. Somebody, you could, I don't care what you tell me. Because you cannot come up with anything that either has a name or doesn't have a name. That is going to be bigger than what I got. Because who I have in me is the God of the universe. He is more powerful than anything else. It is by His Spirit that we do what we do. And so you can't intimidate me through sickness or disease or anything else. Mainly because I know who is in me. And so I walk into hospital rooms. We, we go into contagion wards. We've done that all over, the, all over the world now. And I've laid my hands on contagious diseases. I have put my face in front of people that were, were breathing out airborne or contagious diseases. I've had people spit on me and sweat on me and I've never caught anything from any of them because as soon as it touches me, it must die because death must be swallowed up in life. Amen. And so our job really is just to find out what life we have and just let that life just emanate from us and consume all the death and destruction and all of the evil in this world and just consume it and just kill it. John Lake, of course, If you, I don't know if you had heard or not, or, but I'm the general overseer of John G. Lake Ministries. And when he was here in 1908, from 1908 to 1913, he, there was a plague uh, going on that the people were dying by the thousands. And he went into an area. And some doctors told him, you know, how can you be in here? You shouldn't be here. You, this could kill you. And yet some of their doctors were dying, and yet he he and many of his workers never caught it. And they said, how are you doing this? And he said, well, watch, let me show you. And he said, go get the foam from the dead person's mouth. And they put the foam in his hand, and then he put his, he held it, or they looked at it under a microscope first. Then they took it and put it in his hand. And then he held it for just a couple of seconds. Didn't do anything, didn't pray, didn't do anything. Just held it. And then gave it back to him. They looked at it again. And every disease germ had died. Now, they said, this is impossible. How did you do this? He said, oh, it's very simple. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so he understood that to where whatever was of sickness, death, disease, killing, stealing, destroying human life. Whenever it got near him, it had to die. See, we don't understand always that the 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 creative power of God is also destructive. It will destroy the works of the devil. Amen? And so you have to, you must get a, a grasp of the fact that not only do you have life that create limbs and recreate organs, but you also have a life that destroys sickness and disease. It's not a friend It's not something God uses to teach you anything. It is an enemy to be sought out and destroyed. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, you read through it from 1 down to 7. He sent out his disciples and he told them, whatever city you go into, heal the sick in the city. That means you don't go in there and find believers and just pray for believers. He said you find the sick. Go looking for the sick See, we have this thing wrong in the church. We think that the sick should find us. Sick shouldn't find us any more than demon-possessed people should find us. If a person is demon-possessed, do you think the demon wants the person free? Of course not. Then what makes you think that the demon's going to let the person get to you? They'll keep them busy. They'll make them run out and hide and get away from you. Sometimes you have to sneak up on the devil because if he knows you're coming, he'll run. We were listening to a pastor the other day that said he would... They would get up, he and his children, actually his sons, would get up and they'd, he'd say, get up, we're going to go do a crusade. And he said, they said, where are we going? He said, we're going north. And so they'd all get in their van and they would take off and he would go east. And they said, dad, this isn't north, this is east. He said, yeah, no, I just told that so the devil would hear it, so he went north to try to defend it. So, now, that, now that's strategy, Okay. <laughs> Now, what you have to realize, sickness and disease is an enemy. We shouldn't wait for it to find us. We ought to go find it. You ought to be able to go into a city. I will tell you this, if they're sick in your city, it's your fault. It's not the devil's fault. He's, you know, doing whatever he can do. That's his job, if you want to call it that. If they're sick there, it's because believers are not searching out and destroying all of the works of the enemy. And they 're not going into the city and whatever city they go into, healing the sick that are therein, and then telling them the kingdom of God has come that 's what he said to do. but see, we have all these religious things built up that we think it has to be like this and like this, and people have to believe, and then they have to do this. Let me tell you, you should have faith for other people. you shouldn 't worry about their faith. they 're unbelievers. What makes you think they have faith? Right? You should more unbelievers are not required to have faith. That's why they're unbelievers. If they believed, they'd be believers. See, if they had faith, they'd be believers. They're unbelievers. So you have faith for them. See, we're the ones that are told that we have power and authority over all sickness and disease, and over all devils. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't say you have power and authority over sickness and devils, as long as. The person believes. See, that's not real authority, right? If I have authority, I have authority. And if I have authority over sickness and disease, that means I have authority over all sickness and all disease, no matter where they are, even if they're living in your body. If they're living in your body, I can tell it to go and it'll go. Why? Because I have authority over it. They say, well, what about that person's will? Show me in the Bible where it says anything about the person's will. The only, now think about this. Most sick people want to get well. So I'm not going against their will. The only will I'm going against is the devil's will that wants to stay there. And I have authority over his will. Right? So I have authority over sickness and disease as well as you do if you're a believer. So we have that authority. You, just because it's that sickness or disease is in a person doesn't... It being in a person does not negate your authority. If that's true, you don't truly have authority over anybody but yourself. And it doesn't say you have authority over yourself. It says you have authority over sickness and disease and demons, right? You just got to learn to read the Word, believe exactly what it says. If it says you have authority over sickness and disease, you do. Act like it. Amen? Now, I want to look at a couple of verses here. Take you to a couple, and then I'm going to read something to you, I believe. I actually may have to use this manual. (laughs) In the manual, I have a couple of things there that are letters of Dr. Lake and different things. And just, I, mean, I probably won't read them all, but I want to read a couple of them to you. Go with me first to Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. So why is the Spirit upon you? Because you're anointed. The Spirit upon you is not what anoints you. It doesn't say this. I'm anointed because the Spirit's upon me. You hear that? It does not say that you're anointed because the Spirit's upon you. It says the Spirit's upon you because you're anointed. So that means you're anointed before the Spirit came upon you. All right? Think about it. This will change. <laughs> this changes everything. Believe me, it changes the way you pray for people, everything. <clears throat> go with me very quickly to Galatians. Just to prove this to you. If I can, there we go. Galatians chapter 4. Again, just giving you some highlights here because I want to get to the main part. Galatians chapter 4. If you go back one verse into chapter 3 at the end, it says in verse 29, And if you be Christ's, meaning belonging to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, you hear that. If you are Christ, if you belong to him, you're Abraham's seed. And it said that the seed that he was talking to are those that are the seed by faith in Christ Jesus. So obviously, he wasn't talking a nationality. Right? So the seed of Abraham are those who are in Christ Jesus by faith of Christ Jesus. Right? And it says, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You heard part of that this morning. He was talking about the the difference between a covenant and a uh, testament. Remember? Now, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir... Who's the heir? You are. Right? As long as the heir is a child, he differs nothing from a servant. Though he be Lord of all. You hear that? The child... The heir, as long as he's a child, as long as he's immature, as long as he is spiritually immature, as long as he is carnal-minded, not spiritual-minded, then as long as he is that way, he differs nothing from a servant. In other words, under this New Testament that we have, the child here would differ nothing from an Old Testament saint. you hear that? Now that shows you, that gives you an idea there that... The child, in other words, you think about the Old Testament saints. you think about all the prophets and the and the people in the Old Testament. they were great men and women of God, but at their height, you realize that the heir, as long as he 's a child, is like them, not when he 's grown. you see that now he 's even better than that, but he 's saying a, 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 the heir. As long as he's immature, as long as he's spiritually immature, and a baby in Christ, and not grown up, then they're going to act, think, talk, everything, just like these Old Testament saints did. That means they're going to talk about the moving of the Spirit. It means they're going to talk about the Spirit coming upon them. They're going to talk about all these different things, and how the anointing would come upon them at times, like it did Samson. And we have to realize that that's not us. We are not people upon whom the Spirit comes at times. Because there is never a time, if you're born of God and born of Christ, there is never a time that you do not have His Spirit. You understand? Now, the best way to get the Spirit upon you is to let Him out. Right? You let Him out. Now, there is that aspect of being in the presence of God which is a tangible presence that you can sense and feel and experience but now and that's all fine and good that's especially good for church but my calling predominantly is to equip you not for church but for the world because Jesus didn't say go ye into all the church he said go into all the world We must bring Christ to the world. That means... Now listen, I am assuming certain things. That means that I am assuming that you want to walk in power. That you want to walk in Christ. That you want to walk in the Spirit. To live in the Spirit. To be in the Spirit. And that you're not like many who just want to use God or use Jesus, as we would say, for fire insurance... To keep you out of hell. You know what I mean? That's isn't that what's said? Or 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 for an escape clause to get you out of here. You understand? If you're one of those two, I really don't have a lot for you. Because I really will not waste my time on people <clears throat> who are just trying to use God to guarantee them blissfulness. The people that I'm speaking to and those that are hearing the voice of the Spirit and what I say are those who said, you know what? I'm so thankful to God that He has saved me and delivered me and changed me that I want to do something for Him. And I want to be what He has called me to be. I know that He has changed as we sang this song, He's changed my heart. And so because of that, we, we want to live in the fullness of everything that's promised. If that's you, you're who I'm talking to. Because my purpose of being here is to equip you to make you more effective for the street. Not just to give you another teaching. You didn't have to come all this way just to get another teaching. Amen? And so the idea is that we do something that will work. Something that will change the world. So, now notice. <clears throat> my job is to get you from being a child... To grow up into the things of God. And again, if you were not here, then there's various aspects that we teach on. We talk about what's the difference between milk and meat. And I'm going to give you the short version real quick. Meat. Pulling something loose here. Meat is the word that you do. Right? In this book is milk. Right? There's no meat. There's milk. It even tells you, desire the sincere milk of the word. Never really talks about meat being in this written word. But when you take the meat and you start to, or when you take the milk and you start doing the milk, then the milk will become meat. So the meat is the doing. Jesus said in in John chapter 4, he said, I have meat that you know not of. He said, my meat is to do. The will of Him that sent me. So meat, spiritual meat, is doing the will of God. All right? So get that out of your mind about well, this is milk and this and that's meat. And someday maybe I can. God will give me the meat. And right now I'm just in. no. Today is the day. Today. We heard it this morning. I, I especially there's certain things that you know I was making a bunch of notes and different things, but I'll tell you some things are just stuck with me. And, and especially when it comes to talking about manifesting sons of God because we have to realize we talk there's a whole lot of talk in the church about manifestations and yet the manifestation that the Bible talks about is us that we are to manifest as sons of God we are to show forth ourselves as sons of God and so like they said it's not a matter of waiting for a time for it to happen is the world groaning for it yes is the whole earth And the whole creation groaning for manifestation. Yeah, it is waiting. But it doesn't say it's waiting for a certain time. It says it's waiting for us to manifest. So don't wait. You decide when to manifest. You decide how quick you grow. So can we do that? Yeah, the same works Jesus did you can do. And he calmed the sea. Right? You can tell crops to grow or to die as the case may be. He spoke to a fig tree. You can speak to crops. Right? I could give you examples of a man I know in Mexico that... And, and actually people that he knows also. That a plague of locusts came in and tore up everybody's crops. Except the crop in the middle. And they all jumped over that crop and left it alone. And it's because this man understood the grace of God. He understood that he was protected... And wasn't under the beggarly elements of this world. Well, it says that a thousand will fall at your left hand and ten thousand at your right, but it won't come near you. Well, these are Old Testament promises. How much more so should it be for you? See, what you have to do is you have to switch from the, I'm gonna make it to the, thank you Jesus for putting me there. You understand? Now, that's not to say that you've attained, but you are in a place of completion. Amen? Now, you just live up to it. It's real simple. And the way that you start realizing that is through the renewal of the mind. He recreated your spirit. It was made perfect and complete. But you have to renew the mind. That's your job. So any any hindrance is not on the part of God. It's not even on the part of the devil. It is your... Laziness not to renew your mind. So you got no one to blame but yourself. Simple as that. Now watch. He goes on and says Verse 4 But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons. You hear that? Because. Remember we just read Luke four, eighteen. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me. Here he says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Yet, yeah. what you have to realize, John 1, 12, and again, recapping some of what we talked about the other night, to as many as received him, gave he authority to become the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And doth not yet appear, but we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Isn't that right? So when are you going to be a son of God? now, right? Now we're sons of God. He even said, behold, what manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God, right? So we're sons now. So you see, you've already made the big step. Now your job is to make one small step and that's just manifest, right? It doesn't say that, that everybody has to become sons. It says that the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the suns. In other words, it knows the suns are here. It's just waiting for us to manifest. It's just waiting for us to choose to show up. To start to say, whenever something bad is going on, then in the crowd, a sun should step forward and go, hang on just a minute, this doesn't have to be this way. What is that? That's when a sun manifests. You understand? And we have it in bits and pieces. We have it in pockets. We have it in places like... John Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, and they operated in it at points. But they didn't walk it. Our job is we're going to walk it. You understand? We're going to walk in the fullness of it. Now watch. Because your sons, because he has anointed me, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, because I'm a son, he has sent forth the spirit of his son. You see that? You were anointed when you got born again. That's the anointing and we went through this whole thing again we could talk about it a little bit more but I want to take you some other places here real quick but what I want you to see is this the minute you got born again you were appointed anointed appointed anointed same thing to be appointed is to be anointed and to be anointed is to be appointed you were appointed a son of God you were anointed a son of God All of the kings of Israel were anointed as king. Well, they didn't change in the sense that all of a sudden they had supernatural powers. That means that they were set apart at a point in time to be king. Matter of fact, if you go through and read all the scriptures about anoint this and anoint that and set this apart, it always has to do with setting apart into a position. It never talks, especially in the Old Testament, it never talks about power. It never talks about getting power. It never talks about operating in a power. It says, matter of fact, all it ever says is, the closest it comes is that it says when there was a, someone was anointed, then they had the spirit of wisdom. Because then they were uh, anointed to do something, and when they were anointed to do it, they were put in that position, and God would give them the spirit of wisdom to accomplish that. Go back and study it. And like I, like Kuba said this morning, we're just... Throwing some outlines out there for you to get a hold of, go back and study and prove out and teach it from there. Now, the minute you got born again, you're anointed, appointed. Because of that. Now we see that we know that before a person could be born again, Jesus had to die and pour out his blood. So whenever he gave up the blood that bought us our position in God, at that moment, any from that point on, you could be born again. Correct? So is that when you were born again by that blood, before that Jesus talked about them becoming sons of God. And then he poured out his blood, which gave them the ability to become sons of God, the authority to. Then we read in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we got two situations. Number one, we have getting born again and then we have the Spirit coming upon. Right? And he said... You shall receive power. And that word for power is the word ability. Miraculous ability is actually what it means. It says you will receive miraculous ability. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we got two instances. We've got you getting born again, appointed, anointed as a son, put into a position as a son. And because you are sons, Galatians 4, 4 and 5 there. It says, because you're sons, he has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So first you're born again, then the spirit comes upon you. Because you were anointed, the spirit's upon you. That's what Jesus said. The spirit's upon me because I'm anointed. Because you're sons. I know I'm drilling this in, but we, this is a total opposite turnaround from what has been taught in the church as a whole for, you know, actually not that long, about 100 years or so. But you need to realize, and just as we said earlier, John Alexander Dowie had a tremendous healing ministry without ever receiving the baptism of the Spirit. Why? Because he saw scriptures that said healing is right. John Lake had a a very tremendous healing ministry before he ever received the baptism of the Spirit. You say, then what? Why do we need the baptism of the Spirit? Because first off, you may be a son and you have authority. And when you get born again, you got everything you need right then to do anything you need to do, especially with your own life. But when you get that spirit that comes upon you, that spirit that is sent into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, that, that baptism in the spirit, the Acts 1.8 and Acts 2, four and all that, when that happens, then before that, you're a son. When that happens, now you can act like a son anytime anywhere under any circumstances without having to be told what to do without having to be led to do it because you will not find one place in the new testament especially where it ever said that anybody was led to heal the sick led to raise the dead led to preach it never says that that the, the and we will bring some of these out as we go along further probably even tomorrow but the purpose of the holy spirit there's two places where it talks about being led by the Spirit, predominantly. One is in Matthew and again in Luke, and it says that Jesus was led of the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tested or tempted of the devil. Now, that's not a leading that most people want to try to claim. Matter of fact, most of you don't need it. You, you're drawn away of your own lust. You really don't need to be led by the Spirit to go find your sin, right? You can find it on your own. So we don't generally claim that one now, but there is another one. And in Romans 8, it says, for as many, in verse 14, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Right? So, and it's not saying, as the church has taught in the past, that at times the Spirit's going to move me. And how do I know that I'm a child of God? Because at times the Spirit moves me to go pray for the sick. or That's not what it's talking about. You have to read the context. All of Romans 8 has nothing to do with praying for the sick or doing any work. It is talking about you mortifying the deeds of the flesh. Every one of them. So it's always talking about that. It's not talking about you being led to go to the grocery store and pray for somebody or anything else. So you need to realize Jesus talked about the Spirit. And he said, when the Spirit of truth has come... He will lead and guide you into all truth. He didn't say he's going to lead you into healing the sick. didn't say he's going to lead you to do anything. He said he would lead you into truth. When you learn truth, then moral obligation should lead you to walk in that truth. The minute you know truth... You must walk in it. Well, I'm waiting for God to quicken it to me. The Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say he's going to quicken his word to you and you only have to obey what word he quickens. The Bible says you're responsible for every bit of this. The minute, matter of fact, I want to say the minute you hear about it, to be honest with you, you were responsible for it before you heard about it because it was your job to find out what it said, not wait for somebody else to tell you. So you need to realize that the Spirit of God has come for a specific purpose, to lead and guide you into truth. Now, if you are going to be sons of God, then you shouldn't need any outside source moving you to do anything. Your spirit and God's spirit is the same. They mix He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. So it's not a matter of, well, the spirit has to tell me and I have to. No. When he thinks it, I think it. You understand? There's no delay. We're one. Right? You think of Jesus. You don't think of Jesus being separate. You think of Jesus having just such total union with the Holy Spirit and with God the Father that there's no differentiation. And yet, as we heard even this morning, Jesus prayed to the Father and He talked about the Holy Spirit and said when He comes, He's not going to talk to Himself, He's going to talk about me. Isn't that right? And He said, He will tell you all things that I've said. He will bring to your remembrance what I've said. And yet you think, many times, that when you think of that scripture, you think, was that me or is that God? What? Well, First off, you shouldn't even think that way. You ought to know you're one with Him. And if you're thinking Scripture, then guess what? That's the Holy Spirit bringing to remembrance what He said. Right? So whenever you see a sick person, and you remember Mark 16, it says, Believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Guess what? That ain't you. That's the Spirit of God in you, reminding you. And if He reminds it to you, then obviously you're supposed to do it. Right? It's not a leading it's a remembrance you don't need to be led to heal the sick you should remember what the Lord said it's all Jesus and so you have what you need what, the only thing you might need is to know how to release it which is what we do we teach you how to release it and what you have now, I said all that to get to this point because if you understand that you'll realize it's not about chasing something it's not about getting something it is about you getting out of the way so that what you have can work. Alright? Now, hopefully by now you found Mark 16. Right? I've given you plenty of time. Okay? I mean, come on, most of your pastors, you already know where Mark 16 is. Right? It says in verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach, proclaim the good news To every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned or condemned and these signs shall follow them that believe all right say this with me these signs shall follow them that believe now in my name shall they cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, these are several signs that are, fo- are to follow believers, right? Now, we know that the Spirit says, and matter of fact, going back, remember I told you at the beginning, I went to this place to preach, and I had that big sign behind me that said, accept your spirit, go with me, we will not go. And the sad part is, people don't realize progressive revelation. Because when they said that, that was the truth they had. But that's not the truth that was even still in force, even as late as King David. Because King David even knew better than that. He said, if I go down to the very depths, where can I go that your spirit's not there? If I go to the highest heavens, where can I go? That your spirit is not there. Even King David knew that there is nowhere you can go that the spirit of God is not there. And yet even today we have, as Mother Coba said this morning, so-called Christian television preaching about where the presence is and this presence and that thing and you got to get this and you got to get it in by this accepted time because the spirit of God is going to be over this offering as we, all this stuff and the reality is where can you go that the spirit of God is not there but the problem is even as we heard today do you realize the spirit of God is in that HIV ward at the hospital he said then why isn't People healed because Spirit doesn't have a hand to lay on them. He's there. He's just waiting for a Christian to show up that he can put in like a glove in that sense and put his hands on it. But that's the reason. Now, watch. Matter of fact, let me take you into the manual. If you have one of these, now's the time to use it. Very quickly, let me give you, listen to this. This is on page 83 of your manual. It's how to enter the will of God. Now listen, this is going to be in keeping with the theme of these meetings. I'll be dealing with walking in the Spirit and understanding some of the things of the Spirit realm. And if you'll catch some of the wording here, it will, I guarantee you, it will change your life, it will change your ministry, and even greater than that, it will change the lives of all those around you. He says, there are two phases to entering into the will of God. The first phase is the surrender of your will to do the will of God. Well, that's the first step, right? Now, I'm assuming, if you're ministers and believers, that you have done that. Is that correct? You've surrendered your will to do the will of God. Right? Alright. Do, do we need to do an altar call? No, just kidding. Right. Watch. Most people's conception of doing the will of God is to become a non-entity. And what that means is most people's idea of, of getting into the will of God means, well, I'm just going to avoid myself. And no desires, no nothing. I'm not going to, Nothing. I'm, I'm going to just fast. I'm just going to put my body under. I'm just going to beat it down. I want no desire. I'm going to void my mind. And I'm just going to let the Spirit move me. All right? Now, that is not biblical. It is not Christian. It is New Age or Eastern religion. Do you understand? Nowhere are you told to void your mind. First off, there is no such thing as a void. you understand? And if you try to void your mind, I promise you you will get devils. Alright, do you understand what I mean by that? Because there is no void. The Bible doesn't say void your mind, it says renew your mind. That doesn't mean take everything out. It means replace everything. So you have to replace the old mind with the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is not void. The mind of Christ has all the riches of wisdom and revelation and understanding It has all the understanding of the power of God and how it works. It's all there. So don't void your mind. Renew your mind. Amen? Don't become a non-entity and float around. Do something. That's one of the things that I see so often in some of the conferences I've gone to, especially in the States, is that the, the epitome of the conference is when everybody falls out, which isn't even talked about in the Bible that much. Matter of fact, the only people you ever find find falling out around Jesus were not believers. Right? Romans, uh, the temple guard, people like that fell down. The people that came to arrest him fell down. Now, why did they fall down and yet all his disciples didn't? Right? They were all there. Why didn't it say everybody fell down? You know why? Because they could not and had not been around the Spirit of God. And usually when I see that many times, and, I, and believe me, I'm not against people falling out if, as long as it's God. You know, you want to fall out? Fine. I have no problem with that. All right? The problem is we, what I have found, okay, if you fall, why don't I fall? If I'm the one delivering and it hits me first, shouldn't I fall out before you get it? You understand? But the reason is this. As a minister of God, a representative of Jesus Christ, you must learn, especially since I'm talking to a pastor's conference, you must learn that you are carriers and that you are, and I hate to say it this way, but maybe you'll get the idea, you are insulated, you're grounded, you understand, where it flows through you to hit them but doesn't hit you. Right? Now you may get some effect, but it doesn't hit you like it does them. Why? Because you get used to it. And you should. One of the things that bothers me the most when I see meetings where everybody falls out, I think, you know what's amazing? Holy Spirit shows up in such force. The Holy Spirit doesn't show up just for you to fall down. He comes in for a purpose. To, to, touch and heal and deliver and set free and, and to give you wisdom and understanding and gifts and all these things. He comes in with a purpose. And yet, we think the epitome is when He shows up, we should all fall down. And I kind of picture the Holy Spirit walking into a room and the whole, everybody falling out and then Him say, oh, man, and I was just fixing to work. I was just fixing to start working in some of you. And I was just fixing to start, you know, making it, how am I going to get any work done now when all of my workers or are laid out on the floor. You see, and we think it's a, a, a picture or the epitome of spirituality to fall out. It doesn't impress me when people fall out. It impresses me when you get the job done you were called to do. Amen? Understand that because at some point, you know, it's amazing how many people fall out in church and they never fall out in the grocery store. You know why? Two reasons. Carpet, concrete, catchers. No catchers. Right? Let you know. Okay. Now, but watch what he says here. Now, it is not God's ideal for you to have to be pushed around like a machine or moved like a mechanism. You hear that? You're not supposed to be walking through the checkers, the grocery store, with your shopping cart. And then all of a sudden you walk past a sick person and you, because you're walking and you think, well, if God wants me to pray for him, he'll take my hand and throw it over on him. No, that's, that would be him. That'd be like God being this puppet master and you're this puppet and he just put your hand over there and okay, well, that's what I guess he wants me to pray for you. That's not God's ideal. That would be like if you were a child having to be told what to do and when to do and how to do it, but you're supposed to be manifesting as sons of God. You never see Jesus just bouncing around. You see him, he was walking with purpose. He ministered with purpose. He didn't just walk past people, oh, it must be you. No. He, you don't see that with him. Now watch. It says, the other phase, phase two, and listen, is recognizing yourself as God's son and servant. Now, do you hear that? I tell everybody, everybody there are three things you need to know. You are God's son, you are the devil's master, and you are man's servant. You're not God's servant, you're man's servant. You understand? You're God's son, devil's master, man's servant. You can't be man's servant and get sickness off of him until you're the devil's master. And you can't be the devil's master until you are God's son. But as God's son, the devil's master, and man's servant, guess what? You can heal the world. Why? Because no devil can stand before you all the days of your life. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. All of those works. All that stuff he's done. Now, he says, and this is John Lake writing this, I think the most wonderful exhibition of this truth that God can give us, and listen carefully, is in the fact that he gives us the Holy Ghost to use for God. You hear that? He gives us the Holy Ghost to use for God. Now, isn't that the opposite of what we've heard in the church many times? That, well, you know, we we are to give ourselves to God. Truth to that. But read, every time it says they received the Holy Ghost. That means they didn't, you understand, they didn't get them, they got him. You get it? They didn't. They, they didn't. See, we always think, well, I'm, I'm his, so he can just do whatever he wants. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you are his because you believe in Jesus Christ. You're born again, born of his spirit, right? That spirit is in you, but guess what? The spirit of power is there to manifest, and it's for you to operate. See, this is what John Lake understood. This is what's so radically different about his message. Now, watch. He says, for instance, the Lord says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But if you do not lay your hands upon anyone, they will not be healed. Right? So who's the world waiting on? Is, it, is the world waiting on God? No. Is God waiting on him? You think God's just sitting there going, well, let's see, what time is it? Nope, not time to move yet. No, nope. Got a little bit longer. You think he, that's what he's doing? No. The world's waiting for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. The whole earth groans. All of creation groans waiting. Why? Because it's under bondage of sickness and disease and and all the decay and all the things that are going on. It's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. God is waiting for you to manifest. You are not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. He's given you His name, His word, His spirit, His power. He's given you everything. What else can He not give you? Well, I'm waiting on the anointing. Wait a minute. He has given you Ephesians one three that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you're blessed with every spiritual blessing, that wouldn't that include the anointing? Wouldn't that include power? Wouldn't that include gift? so? In other words, what are you lacking? If you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, then that means you don't need any more blessings from God. Right? You just need to walk them out. And then the the law of sowing and reaping can take in to where the more you give out, the more you get. You know, you move 10% out, God will put 100% back in you. Amen? But He's waiting on you. You're not waiting on Him. Well, we're just waiting on a move of God. No, let me tell you something. I'm not waiting on a move of God. I am a move of God. Every time I move, God moves. If I lay my hand on the sick, God moves. If I lay my hands on them, guess what? God lays his hand. Why? Because he's waiting for me to do it. So I'm not waiting on a move of God. you want to see a move of God? There's one. Do you understand? God is waiting on you. That's why I tell people. Now, I understand many of you, maybe for whatever reason, you get down or something. You know, I heard one man say, well, you know, why do we have to be filled over and over again? Because, he said, because I leak. Okay, I can understand it. But I can tell you. Now, I'm not saying I don't have times when my emotions are not all excited. You know, usually because of external circumstances, something going on around or something, you know, that I don't like. Or, you know, I, there's a certain amount of humanity there. There's things I don't like. There's people I don't like. Right? I'll be honest with you. I love them. I don't like them. Right? See, not li- not loving them means I wouldn't help them if they need help. But I can... See, I can not like you and I'll still help you. Just because I help you doesn't mean I like you. It just means I love you. Right? So I've learned. But what I'm saying is that, yeah, are, you know, is there times when your emotions can get down? Yeah, but the problem is you tie the emotions with the power of God. You think because your emotions down, the power levels down. And I'm telling you... The power level is always up. You know, the only thing is, when your emotions are down, you're not as likely to step out and do something. And that's why you got to die to self to the point where you think in terms of, you know, what I don't care if I, you know I don't care if I just got mad at this person and cussed them out. Now you shouldn't do that, obviously. But do you think God loves the person that's crippled any less because you just messed up? Well, now wait a minute. Are you healing the sick because you're so great? Or are you doing it because God loved them enough to send Jesus to bear their stripes, his stripes, so that it would bear their sickness? So your mess up has nothing to do with the power of God. Your mess up has nothing to do with God's love for that person. Get over yourself. Don't let yourself get in the way of you doing the will of God you understand? You've got to be able to die to that point where you, you don't let your emotions dictate what goes on unless you can control your emotions to the point where it doesn't matter anymore. Right? And that's the way it should be. So you have to realize God is in you, with you, and for you. Now watch this. He says, But if you do not lay your hands upon anyone, they will not be healed. However, if you have faith to believe that you have the Holy Spirit to be used by him and for him, your heart and your hands will be ready. It is a sad thing to me that God has to go out on a special mission and hunt a soul up and wrestle with him in order to get him to do something for God. But isn't that what we always tell God? God, if you want me to do it, you move me, you lead me, I'll do it. You ever realize when you were a sinner, you didn't have to be led to sin? Isn't that right? You did it on your own. You know why? Because that was your nature. Well, if you get a new nature, new nature, shouldn't your new nature also lead you to do righteous? Because he that does righteous is righteous. Isn't that right? I mean, come on. What makes you think that the Holy Spirit should have to lead you to do anything? Do you like having to tell your kids everything to do? Or do you want them to grow up and do what needs to be done without having to be told. See, we understand that and yet we turn around and make it all spiritual in the church. You know why we do that? Because we don't want the responsibility that every time we see a sick person we're supposed to do something. We'd rather say, you know, I just didn't feel the Spirit leading me. Really? You know, well, yeah, you know, we got to be led. Really? Did you did you, did you really check on God's leading before you planned your vacation? Or did you to go where you want to go? Isn't that funny? You, you have to be led to do a good thing, but you don't have to be led to do what you want to do. Hmm. Maybe you just need a little more of your nature changed into his nature to the point where he would even look toward the cross with joy. Think about that. Amen? Now watch. He says, There used to be a Bible school in Ohio where they waited in continuous prayer meeting for nine months For the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I said to them, it seems to me if you stay around for ten years and nine months, you will miss the gifts of the Holy Ghost. But if you take off your coat and go out and use what God has given you to bless others, He will give you more. You hear that? Not waiting. People wait and tarry and tarry and wait and wait. It's amazing. God said wait. Jesus said wait one time. He said, go over and over again. One time he said, wait. And the church has been waiting ever since. We don't take into account all the times he said, go. And here he said, now, this Bible school in Ohio, this is a town called Findlay, Ohio. And the the building that used to be this Bible school, you know what it is today? A funeral home. Now tell me that's not prophetic. Right? That's what it is today. Now. You're with me in Mark 16. We're going back there. Okay? The reason I took you there is because I want you to hear what John Lake said about the Holy Spirit. That God gives us the Holy Ghost to use for Him. Now think about that. Alright? Again, just before I get into Mark 16, I'm watching my time here too because I want to make sure we get you out of here at a good, good time. We went to a... Well, I was with Dr. Lester Summerall for several years. And he was in South Bend, Indiana. And in South Bend, it was a place where they made cars. There was a factory, a car factory there. They made Studebaker and they made a car called an Avanti. And we got to go through the plant one time just on a tour to look at it and see what it's like. And in the very corner, when you walk, you had to walk up all these stairs to get there. And there was a little bitty room that had glass windows. And we walked up and there was a man sitting there. And this man, he wasn't very impressive. He wasn't a big guy. He didn't have big muscles or any of that kind of stuff. He was just sitting there. And there's these joysticks sitting there. And he just tap, tap, move this one, hold it, turn loose. I mean, it wasn't even like he was trying. He was just... And everything he moved, this rail would go across these... This big crane would go across these rails... And then he would push a button and this thing would, and he would grab a car. We're talking 3,000 pounds here, All right. What is that, 1,500 kilos or better, something like that? And he would grab this thing and he would pick it up and then he would push a button and it would and then he'd pull this thing back, raise it up. He would tap it. Move it. We're talking 3,000 pounds. And this man is moving it with a finger. It's amazing. God spoke. He said, that's the Holy Ghost. Do you get it? That man can't raise 3,000 pounds. But there was something between his hand and that car. That amplified his intentions and will. To accomplish what he was trying to do. Amen. Amen. Now, when I got that, I realized God gives us the Holy Ghost as that crane. Right? Can I heal the sick? No. But between here and their skin, there is something that can. And he's called the Holy Ghost. And unless I lay my hands on them, he can't work because he has no body. You understand? You understand? He's a spirit waiting for the opportunity to manifest through a body. Okay? Same thing with demons. Why do you think demons want to inhabit humans? They need a body. Right? They're spirit. They need a body. The Holy Ghost is a spirit. He needs a body. Now the beauty of it is this. When you got born again, you were appointed Anointed, set apart, sanctified, consecrated unto God. Then because your sons, he sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying Abba Father, meaning my father, which is actually more of a term of what can I do for you? And because of that, that spirit in us cries out, God, what can I do? Oh, I can lay hands on the sick. And because of that, He is waiting on you. So let me ask you this. If He's waiting on you, who's causing a move of God? Is it God? Or is it you? You. Because He won't move without you. You understand? And if you refuse to move, then guess what? He can't. Unless He can find somebody else through which to move. Now, The problem is we've had teaching in the past that emphasizes waiting until the Spirit comes upon. And the funny thing is, I could make you feel the Spirit, or at least what you would think would be the Spirit, by taking you through certain things. We can use, you can use worship to do it, to get you into a place. And then by a mere suggestion, I could tell you the Holy Spirit is going to sweep through here from the... East to the west. What is east? That way? I guess. You know, whatever it would be. And by mere suggestion, because you're in that place where you want it, you'd feel it. And then if I convinced you that you had it and you could use it, you'd go do it and it would work for you. And you'd think, that's when I got it. No, you had it all the time. It's just when you finally believed you had it, you acted like it and it started working. Right. I'll give you some testimonies of that as we go on. But I do want to hit one more thing very quickly. Here's the key. In Mark 16. I'm going to go back to verse 17 first. And these signs shall follow. Right? Follow. Okay. Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they, the disciples, went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Now the King James says working with them. You'll notice the them is in italics, which means it's not in the Greek. Now watch, if you read it without the word them, God was not confirming men. He was confirming his word. So watch this. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word. With signs following. Twice it says signs are going to follow. Isn't that right? Now. James one twenty two. Be ye therefore doers of the word and not hearers only, thereby deceiving your own selves. Who is the doer of the word? That's us, right? Okay. Now, so we have to do. Now, what does this word here say to do? We're talking about healing in particular at this point. So let's just stick with healing. It says they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So to be a doer of the word, that means you've got to lay hands. Right? Now, it doesn't say you lay hands because you see results. Because you can't see results until you start laying hands. So you don't start laying hands because you see results. You lay hands, and because you lay hands, you start seeing results, right? So doing the Word is not based on results. Doing the Word is based on what the Word tells you to do. So you have to do the Word no matter what. So even if you didn't see results, would you still have to lay hands on a sick? Yeah. It wouldn't be near as much fun, right? But you still have to do it because it's a command, right? So it's not an option. Results or no results, you've got to do it. Right? That's the first step. You have to commit to do what the Word says regardless of the outcome. Number one. Because believe me, if you wait to see outcome first, you can't see to the outcome until you do it. So you would never see the outcome until you do it. If you don't do it, you won't see the outcome. And if you won't do it till you see the outcome, if you don't do it, you won't see the outcome. You got that? You might have to get the CD to go back over that. All right? <laughs> so, now, so, The person can't get healed till I lay hands. So step one is to be a believer. That's you, right? Step two, have a hand. Okay. You got a hand, right? Okay. Now step three, find a sick person. That's pretty easy, right? Step four, lay hands on a sick person, right? They say, how do I lay hands on a person? Hand, person. There you go. Okay. What do I say? Wait a minute. They say, how do I pray? Okay, wait, wait. Hmm. Don't see anything in here about praying. Right? Just lay hands. Don't have to pray. Just lay hands. See, you know why we pray? Because we're used to doing this in church. And in church, people are expected to pray and they expect things to be a certain way. In the grocery store, they don't know what you're going to do. Right? And they don't know how it should be. So you can do it however you... See, it should be done. And you just lay hands. Okay, one way to lay hands, shake hands. That's laying hands. Right? Okay, now, watch this. So you lay hands on the sick. Once you lay hands on the sick, then what happens? They're supposed to recover, right? Well, before they can recover, there's a transfer of power, right? There has to be the healing part where it goes into them. Now, but here it says... These signs will follow. And then it said, the Lord working with them, working with and confirming the word with signs following. So signs do what? They follow. You hear that? They follow. They don't precede. They follow. That means i got to lay hands before there can be a sign. That means I have to be a doer of the word before there can be a sign. Right? So first... I have to do something. Now, the title of this message, I didn't tell you at the beginning, is, it would be called co-workers with God. I do my part. What's my part? Be a believer, lay hands. God does his part. What's his part? He does the healing so they can recover. Right? My part, believe and lay hands. His part, heal. The sick person's part, recover. Right? That's, that's, isn't that the word? That would be the divine job descriptions. Right, my job is not to recover. My job is to believe and lay hands. My job, technically, in this sense, now get this—I don't say the wording right—is not even to heal. Right? I mean, even though we're told to heal, I understand, and there is a the truth to that. But I'm saying, that at this point, my job is to believe and lay hands. Right? Now, then God heals, and because of that, the sick person can recover. Now, Jesus said that He will not leave you an orphan. But he will send a comforter. Isn't that right? And the word comforter in the Greek is parakletos or paraklesis, depending on which word it's used. But a paraklete means, literally the definition is, one called alongside to help. Right? Now, the one he said is to be our helper is the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the problem. We try to help God. See, when you try to help God, then you are not in your job description. You are not God's helper, right? Now, who needs a helper? A doer, right? If I'm going to do something, and I I might need help, right? But if I'm not going to do it, I don't need help. I only need help if I'm going to do it. So if I'm going to be the doer, James 1.22, be therefore doers of the word, not hearers only. If I'm going to be a doer and I can't quite accomplish it, then I have to have a helper to help me. And he said he would send me a helper, right, the paraclete, the helper. Now, let me give you an example. If I came in here and let's say I was an electrician and they told me, uh, we're having some problems in the electrical work. While you're here, could you do some work for us? I said, yeah, I got my team, my crew here. I brought everybody, yeah. And we'd come in and I'd I'd have, I would be the, the, the certified electrician, right? And I would have who with me? A helper, right? An assistant, a helper. And I, we would come in. Now, if he's a good helper, as we went around, he would notice things I didn't notice. And he'd say, okay, on this side, now when we get to this corner, we're going to need the conduit here that goes around and we're going to need this gauge of wire and, and matter of fact, we're going to need the heavy cutters and pliers. We're going to need that. And so why, why would he know all that? Because he's a good helper, right? And then I'd say, okay, listen, I'm going to go to town. i grab us some lunch or whatever I need to do. I'll get some stuff. And when I get back, have everything ready. So when I come back in, if he's a good helper, he will have everything laid out where I need it. He'll have the wire Around the side, he'll have the ladder where we're going to start. He'd have the tool pouch with every tool we could possibly need. Isn't that right? And then we'd get up and we'd go up. Now listen, I'm the certified electrician. That means I actually have to do the work. Right? The helper can't do the work. It's illegal. Right? I have to do the work. His job is to help me. So I climb up and I start doing the work, and if he's a good helper, when I get to an area, I start to reach back, kind of like a doctor and a nurse working together. I'd reach back because I'm going to need some different pliers, and, I re- I, and I'd and i say, you know, I'm going to need the... Bu-. And if he's a good helper, he's seeing where I'm going, right? And when I reach back, he's going to put it in my hand before I ask. You know why? Because he's a good helper, right? He knows the job, and he's looking ahead, and he knows the things that are going to come, and he'll show me the things to come. So I'll put in my hand the tools I need at the time that I need them. I don't need them ahead of time. But as I need them, guess what? He can put them in my hand. And whatever tool I need, since they're coming from him, I have whatever tool I could possibly need. Right? Could I lack anything? No. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Healing a blessing? Then I'm blessed with it. Right? Anointing a blessing? I'm blessed with it. You understand? There is no lack. How can there be lack? Why? Because I have the one who is the fount of everything. And so I would go through and he would say, now on this one you're going to need this. Oh yeah, here we go. Why? Because he knows me. And he would know, he might know that I would rather use a hammer than a wire cutter. You say, to cut a wire? Yeah, believe it or not, you can smash a wire with a hammer until it breaks apart. Right? Not the best way to do things, but if it's my preference, guess what? That's what he'll do. Why? Because he knows my preferences. Why? Because he's not the doer. He's the helper. Right? That's why William Branham could be so accurate in his giftings of the word of knowledge. He didn't have a gift of healing. He had the word of knowledge. And he would share people's secrets. And at that moment, whenever he would say, isn't that true? And he would give them details. You came from this town. Your husband's name is this. You live at this street address. You came in this car. And by the time he finished, the person we stand there just crying because they know God has told him this. And he'd say, now, if God told me that about you, don't you think God cares enough about you to heal you? And they go, yeah. And he'd go, go your way. Why? What did he do? He used a gift to get their faith to rise so they could grab it. Now, is that a gift of healing? No. It's a word of knowledge. But it could be used to get somebody healed. Why? Because to a man with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Right? That's the way it is. See? So you don't need to be like somebody else and get their gift. Just be you. And whatever thing, wherever you flow, whichever way works best for you. Guess what? God will meet you where you work best. And he can meet the needs of any person you come in contact with. Because he will manifest himself through you in that way. Now, but now get this. This paraclete means a helper. We're the doer. He's the helper, right? Now, who heals? Jesus, the Spirit, right? The Spirit heals. We can't heal. We lay hands. Spirit heals, right? Now, notice, signs follow. Step one, find the person, lay hands on them, right? Now, at that moment, now, notice, signs are going to follow. Well, who's doing the signs? The Holy Spirit. Is that right? Who's doing the signs? I'm doing the work. Who's doing the signs? The Holy Spirit. He's doing the healing, right? But signs follow. So if I'm doing the work, right? I'm, I'm doing the Word, and He's actually causing it to happen, and healing is a sign that's going to follow, and He's doing the healing, then who's following who? If I, if I have to lay hands first and a sign can't follow until after I lay hands and the Holy Spirit's the one that heals, then it's not me following the Spirit. The Spirit's following me. Amen? Amen. Think about that. Cause if you get a hold of this, you'll realize God gives you the Holy Spirit to work for Him. He gives you the crane to move the cancer, to move the HIV, whatever it is. Not that you could do it in and of yourself, but the beauty of it is you're not in and of yourself. Isn't that right? It is Christ in you. The Spirit of my Father in me. Do you realize Jesus didn't even claim power? He didn't even claim it. He said, I'm not doing these works. Spirit of my Father in me, He does them. Isn't that right? Well then, shouldn't we be at least that humble to agree with Him and have the same mind that was in Christ to say, it's not me doing, it's the Spirit of my Father in me. Right? Well guess what? If it's the Spirit of my Father, then that means that I have the Spirit, right? That was His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, put into me, whereby I can cry, Abba Father. We give honor and glory to God for the work done. But now get this. That means that you don't have to have a connection Well, let me say it this way. What it means is that you have what you need in you. Are you connected to heaven, if you want to call it that? Yes. Are you connected to God? Put it that way. Right? You're seated there with Him. You're connected to Him. But it's not a flow from there. You understand? Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Isn't that right? I will pour out of my spirit... Right in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. He didn't say he's going. In one place, he did say I'll pour out my spirit, but he also said I'll pour out of my spirit. Right now, if he he, pour, he has poured out his spirit, it is still flowing, as we heard today. Even there is that river that is flowing; that is there. Right, but now think about this: as you go about, you don't have to get the person in the river. The river is in you. Right. Now, you may stay in the river, but the idea is being able to touch a person and bring that river to them. So that river that's flowing out of you, right, he will pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. He's not touching them unless you do. You understand? Now, for us, it's great. Worship pumps you up, builds you up. You get in the river of worship. It's wonderful. You're refreshed. It's good. Right? Did we hear that this morning? Right? Nothing wrong with that. That's perfect. But when you, when you're not getting filled up, when you're full, when you're blessed, and you step out and you go to the world, they're not in the river. Right? You got to bring the river to them. Well, to bring that river to them, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You got to go to them so that that river can flow upon them. Matter of fact. I'm going to let you go here, but I want to read one more verse. Go with me to, uh, where do I want to go? Where do I want to go? There was one. Yes. Isaiah. Yes. I'm going to go to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is what Jesus was quoting. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim proclaim liberty to the captives. Notice that. Proclaim liberty, not offer it. You don't offer liberty. You don't tell them, come get it. You proclaim it. It's done. You're free. I set you free. That's proclaiming. That's the difference. He says... To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. Now hear that? To comfort all that mourn. That means no mourning should go uncomforted. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He's telling you how. That's what comes upon you through the spirit of God, through Jesus Christ. That they might be called trees of righteousness, planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. And they shall build the old wastes; they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. You hear that? That spirit that is in Jesus, that is in us, is to cause us to rebuild desolate places and to rebuild lives and to rebuild cities and to rebuild through righteousness. Imagine. I I wrote an email just not too long ago to a guy here in South Africa and was telling him about our work and what we're doing and how we're doing things and what needed to be done and what our goals are. And I said, imagine what would happen if this gospel was truly Preached and lived out by the people. Number one, hospitals would close. Right? Or be turned into churches. Bible schools, that'd be fine. Police stations, jails, wouldn't need them. Right? You know, there may be some rebellion somewhere, but come on. For the most part, it'd be very minor. I mean, imagine if we could, in Romans 13, where it talks about officers of the government not wielding the sword in vain and noise. Imagine if our police departments operated in the word of knowledge. (laughs) They'd be there waiting for the bad guy to show up. And they're right. Think about it. If they have the mind of Christ, why can't they know? You see? All these people, and the thing is, all this money spent in social programs, most of that we wouldn't even need anymore. Why? Because everybody that had abundance would share. All the things that would take place would totally revolutionize this entire continent. And I was telling them, I said, think about this. We have the gospel that can eradicate sickness and disease from the continent of Africa. Imagine that. You can look at things, you can look at areas of of Africa where crops won't grow and we can go there and put our foot on the place and say, you will grow. We command you to blossom forth and to be able to bring forth enough food to feed all the people that are here and start changing things like that you say oh I just I just can't imagine that well then you can't imagine being a manifested son of God because Jesus as a manifested son of God took a few little things and broke them and fed multitudes Isn't that right? imagine going into a UN center somewhere and laying your hands on sacks of rice and the things start busting open and rice pouring out of them and they just keep pouring out and they're like, you know, usually when you open a bag, sooner or later it stops. This doesn't, just keeps pouring, keeps pouring until there is more than enough. Matter of fact, it'd be so much that it could feed everybody there, and then they could rebox it and turn around and send it to other places. Amen? <laughs> See, you're going to have to stretch to realize what Jesus was saying when he said, Not only the works that I do, but greater than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Did he go? then there is no excuse. We're supposed to be doing greater works. Amen? Not one and two, but normal. You need to sometimes just stop and... There are times whenever I'll just stop. Sometimes when I lay down at night to go to sleep, I'll do this. Especially in meetings and things, but a lot of times just on purpose. Other times... I'll just be somewhere and I will choose to just stop and just realize God walks in me. I have the spirit of God. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard. Well, with him, all things are possible. Yep, and I'm with him. So to me, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible. What can... Like we were saying, you know, beyond what you can... Think or imagine. Well, that means you ought to start thinking and imagining some pretty big things. Right? I mean, come on. Now you say, well, you know what? I want to get behind Spirit Word because, I mean, they're covering 80% of the world. Well, okay, if they've already got the 80%, shouldn't be a real jump for you to jump in and help get the other 20%. Right? Come on. It's not a stretch anymore. See, if you really wanted to use faith, you'd have had to have been with them back when they were covering 5%. See, that's when you gotta stretch and you gotta vision and imagine things and go, we can do it. God can do it through us. That's when it takes that. See, it's amazing how people want to jump on board with you once you already got it over the hump. You know? It's amazing how once a person starts looking better, all of a sudden, oh yeah, we were always with you. Yeah, I remember what you said. It's amazing. You need to realize who you are. What you have in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And of his fullness we have received. And he gives not the spirit by measure. Right? Read it. That's what it says. And you read it and it's in the, in italics. It says unto him. But it says he, he doesn't give the spirit by measure. What makes you think he gives the spirit in measure? That's the beauty of it. I've got all the spirit and you've got all the spirit. You go, how can that happen? It's God. God is just amazing like that. Right? It's not a, I don't get a bit. You don't get a finger. And, and you get a little finger and you get a, little, a big toe of God. You get Him. He gave us Himself. So that He could have a body to work through. Amen? And, and then He tells us us to do this because we're His sons. It's amazing. I want my son to grow up and enjoy the things that I, He's already seen the dead race. He's already seen sickness healed. He's seen, you know, things not just in my life, but I mean through his own hands when he was a missionary in Thailand. But guess what? I want him to grow up in the fullness and, and understand what it means to walk in the fullness of even what I've walked in and go beyond that. Well, guess what it is? That's called the spirit of a father. The father always wants a son to do better than he did. Right? Well your heavenly father is the same way. Your heavenly father isn't holding things back. He's saying, Go for it. Let's revolutionize this world. Come on, let's get the let's get the, the glory of the Lord to fill the earth. Amen? Where everybody can say they're blessed of the Lord. Amen? As I all stand up. Stand up. Your neighbor's asleep, wake him up. No on second thought, just leave him there. Now say this with me. Say it like you mean it. Father, I believe your word. You have sanctified me with your word. And your word is truth. I will live by this truth. I will obey the truth. I'll walk in the truth. I will forget about me. And I will live your life. I will manifest your son. And I'll become a manifested son. I'll walk in the fullness. I will enjoy my life in you. I walk in power. I walk in truth. I walk in integrity. I will be dependable. Because you are dependable, Father. Father. And I am just like you. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. That your spirit is in me. That you sent your word. And it healed them all. I've heard your word. I've received your word. And I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm free. As it is in heaven so is it in me in Jesus name and father I will be faithful to transmit this to others who will be faithful to transmit it to others who will be faithful and this will spread like a wildfire the fire of God consuming everything in its path And I will be a catalyst for that fire. In Jesus' name. So be it.